My name is Anthony Fatsis and welcome to the What The Finance podcast, where we interview finance, trading, investing experts to help you understand current market trends and learn about the intricacies of new and existing assets. There's nobody betting that inflation is going to be higher for longer and that the central banks are going to be uh, raising interest rates. No one's betting that. There's no no trade that looks like that. Um, and um, so I prefer that as a trade. Um, as I said, I think the recession trade is priced. The soft landing trade is priced, but the higher for longer trade is just doesn't seem priced to me. Welcome to What the Finance. My name is Anthony Fatsis, and I'm the founder of the channel. Uh, so on today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Andy Constant. He's the CEO and CIO of Damp Spring Advisors. So Andy, thanks for joining the podcast today. Sure, Anthony. Pleasure. No problem. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So I guess from your perspective, what are you currently seeing in the markets? Is there anything jumping out to you? Sure. It's an interesting time. Um, the... Um... What I what I think is um, interesting is that there are a you know a variety of possible outcomes that I think are you know the major categories of outcomes. Um, a recession is certainly a real possibility of a Fed that's done too much. Um, we've seen growth weaken. We've seen inflation weaken, heading toward target. Um, but jobs remain strong. So that raises the possibility that um, the economy is actually doing okay um, and accepting the financial tightening because inflation's coming down and somehow um, we'll be able to um, miss out on the typical uh, um, job loss that has been needed to cool inflation in the past. Um, and that would lead to a central bank that can remove some of its restrictive policy and a um, what most people call a soft landing. Um, and then, of course, there's the um, third option, which is the Fed hasn't done enough. Um, inflation will reaccelerate, driven on the back of um, very tight labor um, and you know, we saw some evidence that the you know the Friday number was potentially wonky, but we saw some evidence of pretty strong labor, um, and that's been a tr- a trend for a while. So you add those things up, and you'd expect some broad positioning that's consistent with well, we don't know which one of those things it'll be, and so you know we have to. Ma- have different exposures in different asset classes. And that's the interesting thing um, because that's not what's happening. Um, overall, asset prices are, you know, we've had a quite a rally in, you know, well, let's just step back for a second. You, about two months ago, I noticed, um, you know, after being a resolute bear, a bull from, um the 29th of September through till um, um, 3,900 on the S&P, where I became neutral. Um, I noticed, you know, the big rally in assets that um, had kicked off, uh, had continued after I became neutral and decided to sell assets. And my thinking was that 
um, financial conditions in a recession tighten. And the reason why they tighten is people are losing their jobs, and so they're reducing spending. Um, they are uh, because somebody else's income is some is is because someone's spending is someone else's income. Those people struggle to make ends meet as well, and that means that debt needs to be paid off. And when debt needs to be paid off, credit card debt, mortgage, all the normal debt that people that society gets. Um, that uh, people need to sell assets in order to pay off their debt, and then asset prices get put under pressure. And so typically what happens in a recession is money becomes very, very tight, um, and only by Federal Reserve easing of monetary policy does um, it become interesting at all to spend or invest. But that one thing has to follow the other. It doesn't happen before the recession. It happens after there's been a monetary tightening, uh, financial conditions tightening. And so that's generally a bad environment to own assets. And um, in the event that the Fed uh, hasn't done enough, they are going to need to tighten financial conditions. So whereas the recession creates tighter financial conditions with the Fed doing nothing, a... Um, you know, the Fed not having done enough and not having killed inflation um, requires them to act and engineer tighter financial conditions. But in both cases, financial conditions tighten. Now, assets, specific assets, behave very differently in those two regimes. But um, yeah, so those were the outcomes I thought most likely, and I thought we were priced for a soft landing. And so a soft landing actually is pretty good for assets because the the Federal Reserve does you don't financial conditions don't tighten because people still have their jobs and um, they can make their debt payments and the Fed does can remove restrict restrictive monetary conditions and go to neutral and so that's good for assets but that was the only way that we could. Um, I could see assets rallying, and I thought that's unlikely. Um, so that's why I went short assets in, in, on December 1st. Um, now, bringing that forward till today, um, that portfolio is up a little bit of money. Um, and it's a portfolio of bonds, stocks, gold, commodities, uh, tips, a full sort of risk parity-like portfolio. Um, and it's up a little bit. And um, that tells me that yes, assets have have stayed at that rich level, but have and haven't come down much. And yet, there's quite a bit of bullishness around. Um, and what I would describe that is um, so while my positions are in you know the S and P five hundred, a lot of bullishness is manifested in. Meme stocks, post-bankruptcy, pre-bankruptcy stocks. Um, um, we had a bounce and a rally in crypto. And um, the most heavily shorted stocks. And some of the main tech stocks have certainly bounced a lot. And so there has been an aggressive rally in January. But from a low of um, 3,800 on the S&P and 11.2 on the NASDAQ or 11.1 on the NASDAQ, um, 
And so overall, there really hasn't nothing really has changed over the last two months. Yeah, it's really interesting. As you said, if you're looking at over a pool of different assets, then it's it's quite consistent. But if you look at those high beta stocks that a lot of retail traders are interested in, then they're the ones that have gone up, even though right. they're still probably down 50% from the highs last year. That really amazing. And I, you know, I do think a lot of that was um seasonal tax selling related, which is something I missed a little bit. Um, but there were some other fundamental um things that I would look back and say I missed and had the right call to be short assets through December, but didn't cover because I, I was looking for a higher return. Um, and so here I am. Um, soft landing still seems to be the um, direction we're heading. And it's funny about landing an airplane and this taking this metaphor to an extreme. Um, you have to approach the runway, whether it's going to be a hard landing or a soft landing. Well, I guess you could just avoid the ramp. You could say, forget it, I'm not landing. Um, and that's the higher for longer case. But you don't know about your landing until you, you know, until you land. And so here we are approaching what appears to be a soft landing. And um, it's a very crowded trade. The way for me to express that view is to remain short assets, which I admit I have a small position relative to my capital. It's unlevered. It's 50% of my assets under management. Um, and so it's not um, it's not very risky. You know, I've had a 1% or 2% drawdown from peak to trough on that position, uh, maybe 3%. Um, and um, so I, mostly I just wasn't prepared to make a bet because the bet I want to make is one that I have conviction on. And being short assets, you actually raise cash from the proceeds of the asset sale and you invest that cash at four per four and a half percent. You know, that's fine for me right now, where I didn't have much of a view. But that said, that brings us back to this idea of that says that soft landing is the um, thing I want to fade. But I found out a trade that I think is a much more interesting expression right now um, in that the um, short-term interest rate market is pricing 200 basis points of cuts um, in 2023 and 2024. Now that's changed a little bit in the last 24, you know, last 48 hours, but still quite heavy cuts in the back half of the year. Oh, sorry, in, in 2023 and 2024. Um, and that's a recessionary pricing. Could it be more? Could they cut more? Sure. Um, but to cut that much, they're going to have to. We're going to have to be in a recession. And yet, equity equity markets are trading with no degradation really in expected uh, EPS, um, which is very unusual in a pre in a recession, and an eighteen multiple, which is. Um, looking through that recession with no damage. Um, now, I use the term risk premium, but very narrow risk premium. Um, and so those two things, one is pricing something that isn't a recession, and one is pricing something that is a recession. And so I've crafted a trade that I call twos and spoos, in which I'm short two-year notes and on a levered basis and short S&P via puts. And I think that's the trade to have on right now because it's really, to me, an arbitrage. 
in that um, these two things both can't coexist. Yeah. So, so if uh, no matter what happens, you're ideally going to. Well, I hope. I mean, that's the plan. <laughs> you know, the idea is that if there's a recession and they cut more than is priced in, so they cut 300, I'll lose some money on my short twos. Not much, but I'll lose some money on my short twos. But my S&P put spreads will pay off in, in multiples. Um, and pretty much any other environment, my S&P puts aren't going to be worthless, but the amount of cuts priced in will be far less. They could actually be raising rates still if inflation were to reignite, uh, but certainly they won't cut as much as is priced. And so I think I, I think the trade sets up well, and that's only because it's mispriced. It shouldn't set up well. That should be a a trade that you know you can't make money on. But I think it's just this very unusual environment where people are placing a lot of chips on equities and a lot of chips on the Fed cutting. And they may be related because the equity investor has been conditioned to be long equities before a pivot, even though in history, actually, that's a pretty bad idea. Um, but that may be placing a premium on equities while the pivot is already priced into the market. So it seems it's a very unusual thing. So that's my um, current outlook. It's a combination of I expect financial conditions to get tighter because I don't expect a soft landing. And I think within asset classes, um, the short rates and the um, and the um, short rates and the equity market are um, mispriced relative to each other. Yeah, it's really interesting. And if I'm not mistaken, you uh, think that the third option is more likely. So the way of, uh, the higher for longer option yeah, where he doesn't land the plane. You know, I still think it's a coin flip, but it's uh, it's certainly not priced. And so while I think the probability is maybe a coin flip, the pricing is not Um there's nobody betting that inflation is going to be higher for longer and that the central banks are going to be uh, raising interest rates. No one's betting that. There's no no trade that looks like that. Um, and um, so I prefer that as a trade. Um, as I said, I think the recession trade is priced. The soft landing trade is priced, but the higher for longer trade is just doesn't seem priced to me. So to me, that's a um, a sign of a trade I want to be in. At the same time, it also makes some economic and macroeconomic sense that um, inflation could come back. And that is primarily due to two factors. One is the, um, the uh, strong labor market. Um, and the other is uh, the amount of money and credit that's in circulating in the system, uh, which you can look at simply by the amount of reserves plus the uh, remote repo, uh, sorry, the um, reverse repo program um, that the Fed has, which they've today in Powell's testimony, not testimony, his interview with David Rubenstein, um, reiterated that QT needs to drain that for a couple of years, which is bad for assets, but, you know, people didn't really, people shrugged that off a little bit. Because the Fed is not being listened to anymore, which makes sense because the data has been inconsistent with them staying tight until recently. Um, 
And so QT being a couple of years from now will drain that excess liquidity, but that excess liquidity has the has the opportunity to either uh, ignite into asset price purchases or ignite into spending. Um, and, um, you know, that could, could extend the growth cycle, the growth phase of the market and extend inflation. And I think there's a reasonable odds of that. Though that said, the inflation sure is coming in. Yeah, it's interesting. So you think people aren't putting enough uh, emphasis on that they're focusing maybe too much on interest rates and what uh, uh, power will do with that rather than the QT and the liquidity impact that will have on markets overall? I think so. I think people don't understand the way the QT mechanism works um, and how liquidity flows around the system. Yeah, and I I was listening to, uh, I think you did a recent podcast last week where you were mentioning about how... uh, Power doesn't actually have control over QT. It's uh, Janet Yellen. So I'd be interested to hear you explain that again. And I guess because it sounds very counterintuitive to myself, and I'm sure a lot of people as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when um, the Fed bought bonds, they bought duration out of the market from market participants. Pretty easy. Take away their bonds. They want to buy something else, so they bought, go out the risk curve. Now, there aren't, unlike the UK, which is outright selling their bonds in, a, in an auction process, pushing bonds that uh, to the private sector to buy, the um, Fed isn't doing that. They're just letting bonds that they own mature. They own a lot of bonds and a lot are maturing, so their balance sheet is falling. Um, but that shouldn't have, you know, absent the follow, the, the next step, that shouldn't have an impact on um, financial conditions because no one's being asked by the Fed to absorb their bonds. They're just getting paid back. The problem is the money to pay them back needs to be funded. So the U.S. Treasury can fund um, uh, payments t- to the, the, the Fed um, with tax dollars, um, but they also have a bunch of other things that the tax dollars have to spend. And in fact, they also have a they don't even have enough tax dollars for their normal spending. So not only do they have to issue bonds to fund their deficit, but they also have to issue bonds to um, pay the Fed. And so just focusing on the bonds that they have to pay the Fed, that's really like, well, the Fed gets its money from the Treasury. The Treasury sells bonds to the private sector. And that's the sale of bonds that matters for investors and the choice of what bond to sell, whether it's a 30-year bond or a, or a T-bill, has an impact on um, demand um, for assets. The, the T-bill is, there's lots of demands for T-bills um, and a dollar of for T-bill raise has very limited impact on um, any market. And a dollar of 30-year bonds matters. And so she basically can shift that lever to um, um, sterilize uh, quantitative tightening or make quantitative tightening work um, particularly well. Yeah, it's interesting. So it depends on the duration of bonds that she's uh, or, or bills that she's willing to uh, sell. Right. It, the risk, really, more so than the duration. Same thing, but... I like to think of it as risk because if you ask the market to take on risk, chances are they already have the amount of risk they want. And so they may reduce risk 
now they have to sell it to somebody else. So it, that forces the um, prices lower. Yeah, it's interesting. So rather than focusing, I guess, on the uh, total amount of uh, QT that occurs, it's, uh, it would be a good thing to look at as well as what type of uh, fixing. How, the, how it's yeah. financed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And is that maybe why? Because from what I've seen, the spreads between uh, sort of government bonds and uh, credit is uh, quite quite tight. So is that sort of another reason you think that that's occurring? Well, I think the spreads between credit and corporate credit and treasuries or anything and treasuries it depends on the demand for what the drivers of corporate credit are. Um, and the drivers of corporate credit tend to be um, economic strength. Um, a corporate credit spread um, is not that different from um, an equity exposure. It's got some what we call convexity, but um, by and large, it's very similar to um, a long equity position. And equity markets have recovered. And with that, so have credit spreads. So I think that's more of what's happening than supply and demand of duration. Okay, makes sense. So uh, I, I guess, um, you know, the trade that you mentioned before, it sounds like it's quite market neutral, no matter what happens, ideally, you're looking to uh, to make returns. So what would be the key indicators that you'd be watching? And what are the key things you want to see to maybe shift that to either be, uh, you know, short the market or, or long the market? Yeah, so... Um... So at some point, um, the economy is going to head in a is going to define the direction it's he- it's heading. Um, and um, again, I think there's those three paths, um, and the data will help us determine that. Um, and it's all form of data um, from um, flows and positioning to macroeconomic data. Um, and we'll have a sense of what's best. And my suspicion is that um, inflation will require a recession to um, be well and truly put to death. Um, and a recession is an easy trade um, if you get ahead of it. And that is you go long, long-term bonds and you go short equities. And that's what I think is the most likely outcome. Um, but the path there is unclear to me. And so I don't have, so I'm looking for clarity on that path and you know, I'll probably miss it. You know, it's hard, hard to catch that path. Um, but right now I think the path is to, um, as I said, higher for longer. And that path is very bad for bonds. And so you don't want to be early on the way to going long bonds. Um, and for now, I don't want to take even that bet. I'd rather just take this these relative value bets of assets versus cash, um, which loses in a soft landing, and um, two years versus S&P, which I think wins in most environments. Um, and so I'm not willing to bet on an environment right now. I still think it's hard to tell. But I'll be looking for the uh, the various things that you know, lead um, rapidly falling growth um, and or lead rebounding inflation. And those things are the things that might position me to say we're going we're going higher for longer or we're going into a recession.
Um, and so those are the, you know, that's what I'd look to lead. And that's the way I'd manifested in a position. Yeah, interesting. And would that just mainly be the job reports? And I guess I'm sure there's other indicators that you could be watching there. Sure. Okay. You know, it's all manner of things. Um, you know, a macroeconomic specialist looks at all the data and tries to take little bits of it to add together into a picture. Um, it's not one, it's definitely not one thing. Yeah, definitely. So Andy, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So uh, I guess my last question is, what is one message you want people to take away from that conversation? Uh, one message to take away, um, take risk when you think you have an edge and be okay, particularly nowadays in cash when you don't. Yeah, I think I saw that, uh, was it compared to the 60-40 uh, portfolio, cash has actually performed better than that this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we post that. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So thanks again for your time. So if anyone wanted to find out more about your work or what you do, where would the best places for that be? Yeah, at Damp Spring on Twitter is probably the best place, but you can also go to dampspring.com. Perfect. I'll put that all in the description below. But yeah, Andy, thanks again. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe so you're notified when new podcasts are released. I hope you're leaving with some great value about investing, trading, and finance. See you on the next show.